amazing. Like this stuff is mm-hmm. so good. And so I'm like, okay, I'll write a book as if it'd be really easy. Not easy. Okay. Not easy. Radio show, man, they everywhere. All right, y'all, we're tuning in for another episode of Bank Dive Radio Show. I'm your host, Andreas, and coming via Zoom, we have Jen Drummond, who is a motivational keynote speaker, world record holder, author, podcast host, mom of seven, and <laughs> seems like many, many more talents. I'm sure you have many more talents. <laughs> but, Jen, thank you for uh, coming on. Um, hey, thanks for having me. You're welcome. One, I, uh, I loved your bio. Um, one, being able to get over the uh, car accident that you was in. Uh, one, yeah. I'm sure that was very devastating. So let's get into that real quick. Um, walk us through that process of like healing and you know being able to overcome something that traumatic. Yeah, you know, it's not a one-time decision. It's a lot of decisions made multiple times, multiple days to just kind of process and get through it. I was lucky that even though the car was crushed into a tiny tin tin can, it was okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually got released from the hospital the same day. I went home. The next day I was like, okay, I'm going to need to get a car. So I uh, took an Uber to the dealership. And I met with them and I'm like, Hey, what do we have available? And somebody had built his wife a car and she didn't like it. So it was available. So I'm like, that's perfect. I'll take it. And so they gave me the keys and Mm -hmm. I went to get it. I got in the car and I was like, Oh, I have to drive again. I'm not ready to drive. Like I'm scared to drive right now. So I sat in the parking lot of that dealership for 45 minutes having a conversation with myself, like I can do it. Listen to pump up music, call a friend, like all the things. Mm -hmm. And finally I realized if I don't do it, it's just going to get bigger and harder. So I have to just do it uncomfortable. So I pulled out into the road. I swear I drove home with my heart in my throat, like the entire Mm -hmm. way. Anytime I got near a semi, I, my heart started racing and I had to get as far over as possible, but I made it home. Right. And that was like one example. That was one day that I made it home and I was okay. And it probably took six to nine months of me Mm -hmm. driving on the highway, feeling anxious, not feeling myself before one day I was driving my mom to the airport. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm normal. It's back to the way it was. Like, I don't know when this happened, but here we are. And I think when traumatic things happen to us, just having the grace to allow it to not look like it did before for a while. Mm-hmm. I definitely understand it. I'm so glad you was able to overcome that. Um, so then at what point are you challenged by, I believe it's one of your uh, kids to Fun. be able to go and start mountain climbing? <laughs> yes. So here's crazy. Like life's crazy. Life's crazy when you let it be crazy. So right. I, um, I survived this accident that they Mm -hmm. could not build a scenario where I lived. And Mm -hmm. then I like 2019 was the next year. And I just remember 2019 being a big year of like, who is Jen Drummond? What Mm -hmm. do I want to do in this life? What do I want to experience? What do I want for myself? Because 
I don't get to choose when I die, but I sure get to choose how I live. How do I want to live? And I had this huge list, probably take me four lifetimes to complete it all. But this big list of things that I wanted to do, see, experience and become. Mm -hmm. In 2020, I was turning 40. So when I looked at my list, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to climb a mountain because that was on my list. And I figured the older I got, the harder it would be to do it. So better to do it while I'm young. And I was training for a mountain named Ama de Blom. If you've seen Aramont Pictures low, like movie, you've seen the mountain because it's in their logo. The stars go around it. And my then all of a sudden, you know, COVID happens. And so I'm a homeschool teacher and I'm not flying anywhere because we can't, right? Like the world mm-hmm. shut down. And one of my kids was struggling with his math homework. So I'm like, listen, buddy, we do hard things. And he goes, if we do hard things, why are you climbing a mountain called I'm a dumb blonde instead of a real (laughs) mountain like Mount Everest? Said, honey, it's I'm a dumb not Mm. I'm a dumb blonde. But Mm. thank you. We'll look at Everest when you're done with your homework. So he finished his homework. We looked at Everest. He went to bed. I was still looking at Everest. I'm like, you know what? Why not climb Mount Everest? If he thinks it's the hardest mountain in the whole world, I'm going to climb it and show Mm -hmm. him that whatever Everest is, we can summit. Mm -hmm. And so I call a coach. He gets me ready for Everest. And he has me read this book about becoming an uphill athlete. Mm -hmm. And in the front of this book was a story about a lady who got a Guinness World Record for doing something in the Alps. And I just remember telling my coach, like, I could have done that. Like, I could suffer. And if I got Mm -hmm. a Guinness World Record, my kids would think I'm cool. And my coach is like, okay, well, I'll think of something. And a few weeks later, he called me back. And he's like, hey, Jen, I have the perfect record for you. You should be the first female to climb the seven second summits. Mm-hmm. Like what? It sounds like a tongue twister. What did you mm-hmm. say? And he goes, listen, he goes, the seven second summits are the second highest point on each continent. They have not been done by a female before. They've only been done by one male. It's harder than the first seven. And you would like, think about it. Seven continents, seven mountains, seven children. Sounds like a jackpot. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, it does. Let's do mm-hmm. it. And so I said, yes, I hadn't slept in a tent before, but you know, those are details. Yeah. I love the fact that you yeah. challenge yourself and do this. How, how did the kids react to, you know, once you started getting going and and we like, oh my goodness, I'm really out here doing this. I know, right? So I, of course I talked to my kids about it beforehand and they were like, yeah, mom, get a record, get a world record. That'd be cool. We have mm-hmm. no clue what's involved, which is a lot more than what we ever thought was going to be involved, but that's okay. And we, you know, it was an adjustment for all of us. I hadn't been gone that long before. Um, mm-hmm. I probably struggled with it more than they did just because, Everybody at home knew what I was doing and they were supporting me and things like that. Now, luckily, technology's changed. So I could call from base camp, a lot of times Zoom call and FaceTime. When we were on the mountain, you didn't have Wi-Fi, but I could still send text message on my Garmin. So it was hard, but I think we're all better for it. What's up? So after you do this adventure... And you're able to set that record. Is that what inspires the book or? Yeah, the book. Okay. If anybody tells you to write a book, ask more questions. So I'm halfway through this journey. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm serious though. I'm halfway through this journey and I go out to lunch with a friend who happens mm-hmm. to be an author. Okay. So like, this is his wheelhouse. It'd be like him going on a hike with me and like, let's climb Everest. Mm-hmm. He's saying, yes. Anyways, so we're eating lunch. 
and I'm walking through like everything that's been going on so far. And he's like, you need to write a book. All right, y'all, this is an independent artist. This is Lissa. You should go by Iggy. If you know her from back in the day, but go ahead, take a listen to her music. And if you like it, go and follow her. Money walk, money talk, pockets up front like crisscross, in and out fast like Kristoff. Look at my wrist like off. Call a chauffeur for the pissed off. Haters can't stop me on lift off. They can listen around and get off. And I ain't never ever getting ripped off. Y'all really ain't talking about nothing. Y'all really ain't talking about nothing. Go get you a bag or something. Team up with your bag or something. I'm on go to summer. Whatever you want, it's the same thing. Get with the groove, give it the game. I'm playing chain. I don't know nothing. I don't know nothing. I don't even like mountaineering and this is amazing. Like this stuff is mm -hmm. so good. And so I'm like, okay, I'll write a book as if it'd be really easy. Not easy. Okay. Not easy. Um, I wrote the book. I take the reader on each expedition that I was on mm -hmm. and I highlight a particular lesson in that particular expedition that they can apply to their own lives. So when they're trying to climb their mountains, probably metaphorical, maybe physical, mm -hmm. they have the skills to get through obstacles that might come their way. So I've built a business. I've climbed all these mountains. There's a whole bunch of parallels that go between the two of them. And this mm -hmm. book takes you on the journey of how to apply these principles to your life. I named it mm -hmm. Break Proof, Seven mm -hmm. Strategies to Build Resilience and Achieve Your Life Goals. And the reason why Break Proof is we're going to break. When we're pushing our limits and we're trying to figure out where our edges are, we're going to go over them. And when we break, there's the proof of what's going well, what we need to improve, what do we know now to be able to continue to go forward? Is this even the mountain we want to climb or do we want to climb a different one? And so it's in the breaks that we have the proof of what we need to continue to climb. So given the fact that you climbed mountains and start the business uh which one do you feel is more difficult to do <laughs> i don't know like they each have their moments right like i would say <laughs> the business is more difficult but then all of a sudden i've been in some situations where it's been life or death mm -hmm. and i'm in those moments and i'm like why am i doing this I like, mm -hmm. why did I like, why couldn't I pick beaches? Why did I have to pick mountains? Like, what's my problem? So mm -hmm. I think both of them have those moments of what did I say yes to? And why am I here right now? I definitely get that. What's been something that was uh, surprising to you in doing both ventures? Um, let's see here. For mountaineering, you know, like when you start it, I had no clue what I was getting into. And I thought it was going to take forever. And then all of a sudden I had two mountains left and then I had one mountain left and then that mountain was done. And I was sad. Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting to be sad when the experience was done. Um, I don't know if we talk about that enough where you have this pursuit that's taking all your energy and all your time. And it gives you a ton of purpose and passion and all these things. And when mm -hmm. it's done, you're like, Oh, what do I, what do mm -hmm. I do now? Like, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. Right. So there was a, so I think like when we set goals and we reach them just to understand like, Hey, there might be a point a little bit afterwards that you're kind of sad. 
not that you did it, but just that it's done and you'll have to come up with something new to keep you excited. So that was something I learned in mountaineering, mm-hmm. um, in business. I think I did things backwards. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that movie, if you build it, like feel the dreams mm-hmm. and it was like, if you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right, right. And that's not how business works. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just because you build a website does not mean people will come. <laughs> just because <laughs> yes. you put your sign on a building does not mean people will come. And mm-hmm. so the reality is in business, you need to really pay attention to who your people are, what your community is, what their needs are. And then once that need shows up, then solve the problem, mm-hmm. not build it. And then hope the problem is what you're trying to solve. Like, I think that was a big lesson in business I had. So was, uh, I imagine your business is you, right? Like the brand of you and everything you were doing. I'm sorry? The, your business. Is it you? Are you the business that you're referring to? Yeah. Yeah. So I have a couple businesses, right? Because anybody okay. who's in business gets addicted and they have more than one. Because why yeah. would we want one thing that gives us headaches? We want yeah, exactly. multiple things. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so my first business is um, in the financial service sector. So it was the financial planning company. I hired myself out of a job. I still own the company. I just don't actively work in it because I have amazing people that do amazing things that Mm -hmm. I do not participate in. Um, And then, so that gave me free time to be home with the kids. That got boring um, Mm -hmm. because they went to school and had things going on. So now I'm doing like speaking and some retreats and I do like private, like coaching with people and that mm-hmm. business I love because I just love the mindset piece. Like I love the embodiment of the things. So when you were doing the financial business and getting that going, was that your like first business or? I mean, I How had about... a lemonade stand as a child. Let's not undercut <laughs> the lemonade stand. But hey, yes. hey, <laughs> I think things like that. I used to sell candy when I was little too. So I definitely get where you come from. Um, yes. how was the reception when you like jumped into the industry? Uh, did the people receive you like they were supposed to, or how you anticipated? Okay. So my start in the financial service sector is a start that I wish upon no human anywhere in this world. So even mm-hmm. if you're my biggest enemy, I don't even want mm-hmm. you to have this experience. Mm-hmm. So here's what happened. I am in college and I do an internship for a company that could not hire enough temporary labor to manufacture this chair that everybody in the world all of a sudden wanted, I guess. And so I helped like manage the temporary labor. Well, then Y2K happened. And then this company didn't want any more temporary labor. So these people that we had been begging to come into work and begging to skip weekends and begging to work longer, all of a sudden, like almost overnight, We had to tell, like, guess what? We don't need you anymore. You don't have a job. And they, like 200 of them. And they were like sad and crying and tried to begging with us. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a terrible situation to be in. I never want to work for somebody because I don't know how I could give it my all and then have them be, see you later. Mm -hmm. So that's like, I knew I had to do something independent. A friend of mine graduated a year of college ahead of me. And he was in, he took a job at this financial company. And he told me, he's like, Jen, you would love it. And you're expensive. So this is going to be a great job for you because Mm -hmm. you like expensive things. I'm like, okay, fine. So he's like, they'll take you now. 
I'm like, okay. So I go to the school register. I'm like, Hey, how do I get out of here? I've got a job. And he's like, yeah, you just need to take like these two courses on the side and you should be fine. I'm like, okay, perfect. I go to my parents I'm like, Hey, I got this job. I'm going to get out of college early. My parents are like, okay, but listen, if you take that job, you have to work it for a year, no matter what, because otherwise you're going to be young and you're not going to look like you can hold down a job. And mm -hmm. so you can graduate, but you have to stay where you're going for a year. I'm like, mm -hmm. fine, I'll do that. What am I worried about? So I do that. I go to my first day on the job. I'm like, hi, I'm Jen. I'm the new financial <laughs> advisor. Nice to meet you. And the lady's like, oh, hey, Jen. Nice to meet you. See that desk over there with a telephone and a phone book? That's you. I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm not call center. I'm financial advisor. And she goes, sweetheart, it's the same thing till you build your book of business. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? So I had a cold call, mm -hmm. like phone book, cold call hours upon hours a day to build my book of business. I had never heard the word no so many times in my life. Like mm -hmm. the first three weeks I went home crying every day. Like who does this? Why would someone do this job? This is horrible. I don't even like, it. I want to quit. I couldn't quit because my parents would kill me and mm -hmm. I had a fear of my parents. So like I was not calling them. So I called the school. Okay. And I'm like, Hey, this is Jen just graduated. Kidding. I want to come back. What else can I do? And they're like, Jen, you're graduated. You would have to reapply and re-register and all this kind of stuff. Like you can't just, you could, you know, if you want to look at next semester, you can, but right now, like, here's where you're at. I'm like, Oh my God, I have to work at this stupid job for a year because that's what I committed to. Mm -hmm. And there's actually a beauty to that because once you commit to the commitment, then now you're not like trying to figure out ways to get out of it, right? Now you're just figuring out ways to like make it less painful and maybe even enjoyable or whatever. And so I ended up buying one of those little guns that has the foam ball at the end. So yeah. when someone said no to me on the phone, I shot him and then the mm -hmm. ball would fly off the gun, but it would be attached by a string. So then I'd mm -hmm. stick it back to the gun and I called the next guy and I'd shoot him. So at least we were even. Right. Like yeah. you say no to me, yeah. I'm saying no uh -huh. to you. We're good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. And so, yeah. So then eventually I ended up getting clients. Don't ask me how, but I did. And then they referred me to people. And then all of a sudden, like that momentum build and it, I started to have success. And I really liked the job. Like I liked helping people. I liked the financial strategies. I liked the concepts that we were teaching people and helping them employ. I just didn't like getting the client. Mm -hmm. So. I, I definitely understand all of that, especially the whole calling and stuff. I don't even think people try to do that anymore. But I, I think no, they don't allow uh, them. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you're doing this and you're making your career, um, at what point did you, you know, switch from you know the financial aspect to you know being your own brand, international speaker, motivate people, and then uh, starting your own podcast and yeah. Um, well, I will say, so I hired myself out of a job so that I could stay home with the kids. Mm -hmm. And then the kids got into school and, mm -hmm. and then I was kind of floundering, to be honest with you. I'm like, I'm not really loving this, but I don't know what to do. And then the car accident happened mm -hmm. and the car accident was like, whoa, 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 whoa. If my life was over, there's a lot of things I want to do and see and experience. And it just kind of gave me the courage to say, I don't care what your opinion is, society or grandma or person next door. I'm going to start doing me. 
and whatever that is, it is. And so I kind of got into the brand me mm-hmm. as a F you to everybody else, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. It was like yeah. my way of like staying true to myself and owning who I was. And I got support from other people and they felt the same way of there's more to life than what we thought. And we're going to go get it and make it and create it for ourselves. And so that kind of evolved and then the mountaineering evolved and the speaking, because I climbed Everest, some people wanted me to come talk about my experience. And then Mm -hmm. I loved it, right? Like Mm -hmm. I love the exchange of the crowd and the energy and all the stories that I got to hear from the people in the audience. And then it just kind of snowballed. Yeah, I could definitely uh, see where that's going. So, you with your book, um, what are one of the strategies that you can share? Um, so you know, so people can get that and start enhancing their lives. Yeah, um, I think one of the big things that I learned from climbing is big mountains take big teams. You know, you don't climb Everest mm-hmm. by yourself. You have teams that manage different parts of the mountain and then teams that manage food and teams that manage tents and oxygen and all like there's so much that goes into me climbing Everest. It's amazing. Like there's, I mean, it's unbelievable when you really sit there and watch that whole thing happen and like come together and get people up that mountain. And I realized like how often when we're at home and we're building a business or we have this vision and we're at it alone. You can't do big things alone. Amazon has a bazillion employees because it's huge and it needs them to make it run. If you're Mm -hmm. building anything of substantial value or size, you need people on your team. So if you Mm -hmm. start running out of energy, if you start running out of like excitement about your goal and you start compromising, like, oh, maybe I just want to do this instead of that. Mm -hmm. Instead of compromising, instead of quitting, instead of giving up, like I'm going to encourage you to stop and just Mm -hmm. ask yourself, who can help me? Who wants to be on this quest with me? And how can they help carry my load and help keep me excited? And can we play off of each other to build this thing together? And that I think is going to get more people to the top of their mountain than anything else. I love it. Uh, so you being a mom of seven, having all these muscle to the things that you're doing, what advice do you give to people in order to balance all those things? Balance is hard and it is this elusive thing that doesn't exist. Okay. You only have balance when you look back. (laughs) You don't have, like, you're (laughs) always moving. And to stay in balance, you have motion going on, to be honest with you. And sometimes Mm -hmm. things are not balanced, and then sometimes they are. So for me, when I was climbing, I would be gone for three weeks. But before I left for climbing, I would always try to do like a ton of intensive time with my children. So if you looked at those two weeks in my life, you're like, oh my gosh, all she does is hang out with these kids. She's a helicopter mom. But then Mm -hmm. if you looked out four weeks, like, oh, actually she's gone for two of those weeks. So now it balances out. Mm -hmm. And so when you're looking at your calendar and you just, you sometimes you need to zoom out because of what you're doing to give yourself the balance that you desire. Mm -hmm. And for me, like when I got into the financial service field, I had to build my book of business. I had no balance. I worked 12 to 15 hours a day, six Mm -hmm. days a week, maybe three Mm -hmm. hours on Sunday so I could set up my next week to be as good as possible. Mm -hmm. I slaved to that job. I'm now in my 40s. 
I have an income that I couldn't have even imagined from that career. And I work maybe 20 hours a year, making sure everything's going good on that. So at the front end, it's not balanced at the back end. It's not balanced, but if you spread it out, it probably is. I just front loaded that situation. So you need to be honest with yourself. Am I front loading something? Am I going to backload something? Is it going to be balanced over a period of time? And that's something we each decide for ourselves. I like how you said that, you know, most people don't even look at it from that perspective. So that's definitely, I love it. I'm going to start using that. Um, so you did your podcast and I believe this name of that podcast. Okay, Seek Your Summit with Jen. When you started that process, um, how was that for you? Because I imagine that was probably like the first time getting into a podcast. Or, you know, how did that go? Oh my God. You? Oh my goodness, friends. If you want to see the most hideous podcast ever in the history of ever, you need to look at my first podcast. I mean, it is so bad. It's embarrassing. So here's the thing. I'm like online. Everybody's like, start a podcast. It's easy. So I, I, they're like, turn a closet into a podcast room. So I literally like empty out a closet and I'm like, oh, I'm going to order those foam things that absorb sound on Amazon. So they come like all crunched up in boxes. You have to wash them and then you have to dry them, you know, and then you mm -hmm. glue them onto the wall. So I have this whole wall glued of these like black foam sound absorbers. Mm -hmm. And then it looks like I'm in a black hole. I put, then I set up the computer, I put lights in and I go to do my first podcast mm -hmm. and the heat from the lights starts mm -hmm. to cure the glue and I'm getting high off of glue while I'm trying to host a meeting with some like famous person because I, it was just like horrible. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm getting lightheaded. What do I do? How many minutes are we in? Am I like listening? It was like so much. It was so bad. And I think that's all of us in the beginning of anything. Amateurs are like terrible at things. That's why we're amateurs. I'm much better than what I was and I can mm -hmm. laugh who i was in the beginning because it is hilarious yeah uh did you start with like an interview style or did you just start with like your stories to build your audience oh no no i did interview style and you know like i was like that ego i'm like i'm gonna be good at this like i'm good at mm -hmm. talking to people this is i'm gonna be good at it so i interviewed like some famous person like new york royalty mm -hmm. i'm not good at it i was mm -hmm. nervous I was high on glue and everything went wrong. I almost forgot to hit record. Have you ever forgot to hit record before? Yeah, I, uh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked a couple of times where I'm just sitting here talking and I was like, hold on, I got to start recording this. No, there's a lot of things that you don't see behind a show. And like, mm -hmm. of course we compare ourselves like to the Tim Ferriss's of the world, right? Who have mm -hmm. like, teams making mm -hmm. this podcast happen again yeah. big mountains take big teams you want a big podcast you need a big team that's doing mm -hmm. all the little teeny tiny things so that you can be in your zone of genius as much as possible mm -hmm. and not managing all the pieces mm -hmm. i definitely get that um so are you, are you still actively doing the podcast or i am i am it's called seek your summit and mm -hmm. i interview people that have had success 
and are now turning that success into a significance, whatever that looks like for them. Super mm -hmm. fun. I love interviewing people. I love sharing stories. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'll be doing that for a while, I think. Okay. Um, so when I first started podcasting, I've been a podcast for like seven years now. It'll be eight in February. Um, I started off like just doing them three times a week or whatever, interview style. Started running out of guests because at first it was about artists. Then I graduated to business people, just people doing great things in the community. But what I noticed over the course of time is I always had to have guests because that's how I chose to do the format. Um, but then I was like, you know what? Let me start doing seasons because doing it every week or at least trying to have a guest every week and doing all the other stuff that it takes to behind the scenes to make the podcast move forward was a lot of work. Do you do yours in seasons or how do you do yours as far as the frequency? I've heard of people doing seasons and I totally respect that and get it. My issue is I have so many podcasts recorded right now that mm -hmm. I'm releasing two episodes a week so that I don't have podcasts record like nine months later. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So somehow I wasn't, I like was, you get into the flow of things and people are like, Hey, you should have her on your podcast or this person or that person or that person. And I said yes to everybody in the beginning. And all of a sudden mm -hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, we just recorded eight podcasts this week. That's two months worth of content. That's not a good idea. Like we have to get mm -hmm. these things out. So yeah, I'll probably get into seasons at some point, but right now we're trying to empty the book. No, I definitely get that. So Jan, is there anything else that we didn't, uh, we wasn't able to cover that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, we covered a lot today, didn't we? We went all over the place. Yeah. Um, you know, I want people to buy the book. It's so much fun. It's been my, my slip project. You can, mm -hmm. if you pre-order, you're going to get a whole bunch of bonuses and things like that. So do that Buy the book. Okay. Well, I'm going to let everybody know out there, you know, make sure y'all buy the book. I'll put the link in the, uh, thing. So y'all see it or whatever. For everyone who watches the video side, but Jen, thank you for your time. I know you're a busy woman and you have a lot of things going on. Plus you got seven kids and I understand it because I have eight. So I got you beat on one. What? Oh my goodness. You're the first person I've ever met that's beat me. That's amazing. But thank you, Jim, for your time and everything. And I uh, wish you much more success on all your adventures and journeys and endeavors. And definitely would love to have you back on later to see what you're up to again. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day.